Hey everyone, this is Brittany, and you're listening to Left of Skeptic. This is my co-host. I'm Kayla Moria. Yeah, we're on episode 139. We're switching up the intro. We do the same thing every time. Let's just do something different. It feels weird. It, you know, it does. It feels weird. But. Am I on board? I don't know yet. I know, she's giving me funny looks right now. This this doesn't feel right. It almost looks like she's mad. I'm not mad, I'm smiling. In a rageful way. (laughs) No, it's just different. I was like, I keep waiting for that, and we're a paranormal podcast. I did, I said that. But but like my brain. Oh, and you're supposed to go, yes Yes, we we are. are. (laughs) Like, am I having, am I having a stroke? Um, Not at the moment. Not at the moment. I'm just feeling... Feisty. This was me feisty. <laughs> this is the least feisty feisty I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, um, also, speaking of being feisty, I forgot to tell you that I, so I did tell you that I went to Spirit of the Times. Yes. What I don't think that I told you is that I bid on one of their prizes. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. So I won accordion lessons. <laughs> nice. You're going to. With Beth Brophy. You're going to learn accordion. I'm going to learn how to play the accordion. And you know what? I'm going to kick your accordion player out of your band. Bold statement. That's not true. I'm going to start a second <laughs> band that you have to also be in. Because I have so much free time. I know. And but it- you're the only tuba player I know, girl. <laughs> it's got to be you. It's it gotta be, be you. you. Uh, yeah, we can do a another all femme punk polka band. Oh my goodness! You know, <laughs> I'm saying I'm just I'm just really securing my niche in the Duluth music scene. Yep, yep. Polka, <laughs> polka. punk, polka. polka. That's it. Nothing That's- else. You 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 might want to try and do something else. You can't. Well, you have damn. too many bands now. <laughs> too much shit. Too, too much shit going too on. Too many punk polka you bands. You want to expand your horizons? No. Not no. today. Uh-uh. Not today. Uh-uh. Just widening them. <laughs> I had a really hard time saying widening. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, man. My mouth works. It's fine. Oh. I talk real good. <laughs> we speak good here. Yeah, we do. To read makes our speaking English good. I don't know. Xander Harris quote. Ah, 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 I guess we're currently on the same recording schedule as Prophecy Girls because I think Kara and Steph are recording right now too. Nice. Yeah. 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 I feel like we're up there. We're in the big leagues. <laughs> yeah, that, because we have the same recording schedule. Yep. yep. <laughs> that's, that's what makes us big leagues. I am counting it. I mean, I really hope that we don't record on Tuesdays anymore, but you know. It's Eventually. Fine. It's fine. How are you, by the way? I'm okay. I know. We messed up our, our flow, so I didn't get a chance to ask you. I had a badass time at the goth ball this weekend. Fuck yeah. So got to dress all gothy and watch a bunch of awesome burlesque performances, aerial performances, drag performances. Everybody in the crowd went all out with their costumes and like outfits there was cool shop stuff, like like vendors selling cutesy stuff. That is awesome. Um, creepy cute crafts was there. Oh, they made the little little room. Yep, yep. And they had a lot of those like little crocheted adorable adorablenesses. 
It was it was great. It was a good time. How are you? I am sleepy. I had a, a board retreat, our year, our annual board retreat today, because apparently I am a business lady. I watched you live tweet the event. <laughs> <laughs> A beverage goblin needs at least three drinks at a time. Well, look, I went up. I got what I needed for my breakfast, and it just so happens that it was a coffee, which I also brought a coffee, an orange juice, and a glass of water. And I also brought an algene of water, which you couldn't see. And I was like, oh. (laughs) (laughs) But look what Melissa gave me. Gorgeous. It's a little bracelet with a little pumpkin. Pumpkin, little pumpkin. Yeah, I, I... Saw her this morning at the retreat because we work together. Uh, and she's like, oh, my God, I got this for you. And I was like, what? Why? She's like, because you like spooky things. And I was Cute. like, oh, that's so nice. I do like spooky things. <laughs> anyway, though, uh, I guess we should probably maybe uh, get going. Yeah, we- I'm excited for your story because you said you watched a horror movie and, like, shifted your entire direction. I did. I did indeed. So... Have you watched The Conjuring? Yes. Wait, which one is that? Okay, so for those who haven't seen it, Mm -hmm. here is a brief summary of The Conjuring. Okay. In 1970, paranormal investigators and demonologists Lorraine and Ed Warren were summoned to the home of Carolyn and Roger Perrin Ah. and their five daughters. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They recently moved into a secluded farmhouse where a supernatural presence has made itself known. Though the manifestations are relatively benign at first, events soon escalate in horrifying fashion, especially after the Warrens discover the house's terrifying history. I don't think clapping has ever been scarier. Right? Like, both from the closet and then also from behind her when she gets locked in the stairs. Oh my gosh. I don't like it. Yep, so that was just a quick quick summary. No spoilies. But there are going to be spoilies today because I'm going to tell you about the real house that inspired the movie. Nice. So we're going to talk about the farm on Round Top Road, or as it, as it is better known, the Conjuring House. Nice. So uh, even I, though you're tired, you may not want to sleep after this one. Well, that's good because I have to edit this immediately after we get done. Oh, there you go, I suppose. Thank you. All right. Located at 1677 Roundtop Road in Burrillville, Rhode Island, you can visit this property and see its eight woodsy acres with a river running through, old stone walls covered in moss, and a beautiful old farmhouse. The house as it stands now was completed in 1736. Damn. 40 years before the signing of the Declaration of Independence. Jesus. This land has survived countless storms and natural disasters, King Philip's War, where the land served as an active battle site. Construction on the house began in the late 1600s, just after the war ended. Mm -hmm. It survived the Revolutionary War, the Civil War, and just in general, the growth and development of America. Yeah. So the house has all of the stuff from when it was originally built. It's been added onto, but but the original core is structure is still there. Yep. It has not been taken down and rebuilt. So this is a very old home. Roger Williams purchased the land as part of the establishment of the Colony of Rhode Island and Providence Plantations. Having been expelled from the Massachusetts Bay Colony for supporting freedom of religious worship and separation of church and state, 
Roger Williams established Providence Plantations in 1636. In 1639, Gloucester, which is now Burrillville, mm-hmm. became part of Providence Plantations, including this estate deeded to the Richardson family. The land was deeded in 1680 and was surveyed by John Smith. Yes. The that John, John Smith. Smith. Yep. The OG. The OG. Not just some guy whose name we don't know, so we just call him John Smith. Yeah, no, this was that John Smith. Roger Williams believed that the best way to preserve the land was to deed large parcels to those who choose to follow him in his teachings. Um, He was trying to protect it from encroachment from Connecticut and Massachusetts. The original estate deeded to the Richardsons was more than 1,000 acres, and then it was subsequently sold off and parceled out to other families in the area, some of whom are still there that it has stayed in the family, you know, hundreds of years later. Good Lord, that's, wow. Talk about generational wealth. Yep. Because women had no rights to property at this time in history, their estate transferred through marriage from the first colonists, the Richardson family, to the Arnold family. And from the Arnold family, it transferred to the Buttersworths and then to the Kenyans before being purchased by the parents in 1970s. And that is where our story becomes interesting. I mean, all of that actually was pretty interesting, but uh, it gets weird for sure. It was known until it became like the haunted place. It was often known as the Arnold family estate because eight generations of that family lived there before it got passed on. Mm. So that's like the bulk of its history. Oh, okay. But the interesting stuff is where we're at right now. In December of 1970, Roger and Carolyn Perrin and their five young daughters were looking to find a house for their kind of large family. I mean, five daughters. That's a lot. That's so many. That's so many children. They found a spacious option with this famous little, you know, little area here. It seemed perfect. A 10-bedroom farm-style house situated in the village of Harrisville, which is like a small section found within the town of Burrillville. Okay. Kind of like we have, you know. Lincoln Park. Lincoln Park. Exactly. Carolyn refused to move at Christmas and wanted to wait until the first week of January. So they moved in in January of 1971 so that their new year could start in a new home. Oh, good. Just starting off. So, So good. Years later, when eldest daughter Andrea would be asked just how soon after moving in the paranormal activity started, she would give the answer about five minutes Oh, geez. On the day that they moved in, there was a pretty bad snowstorm. As they were hauling stuff in, the old owner, Mr. Kenyon, was hauling stuff out. So he was getting rid of the last of his stuff as they were moving in. Okay. While Andrea was carrying a box to her mother in the kitchen, she asked Carolyn, her mom, who was the stiff-looking man behind Mr. Kenyon? Carolyn told her that she was imagining things, thinking she was playing around, and that there was no one there. Andrea's siblings, Nancy, Christine, Cindy, and April, soon followed into the kitchen with their own boxes and pale expressions on their face. When asked why they all looked troubled, they told their mother that the man in the living room with Mr. Kenyon just disappeared. Yeah. Carolyn's like, oh, this is a really rehearsed joke, guys. (laughs) Yep. Not long after, the children began experiencing phenomena at night. One of the most terrifying incidences occurred with Cindy. Within the first week, she was awoken to the sound of whispers all over her bedroom. No. Alone in the dark, she bolted down the hall to her sister Andrea's room and asked if she could stay in there. And Andrea was like, okay, what, what's up? 
Cindy explained that there were people whispering all over her room and she got scared. Feeling safe with Andrea, she confided that all the whispering voices said the exact same thing. There are seven dead soldiers buried in the walls. Oh my God. So I'm not surprised that the haunting started to present itself with children, are you? No. Yeah. No, that's pretty standard. We've discussed this a bunch of times. Children are just generally more open to this stuff. Also, teenage girls specifically seem yep. to really yep. stir up some shit. But not long after, the parents became exposed to the paranormal occurrences as well. Ha. Carolyn herself had become exposed to a haunting less sinister than the ones her daughters were experiencing. While tidying up any room adjacent to the kitchen, she would often hear the strong sweeping sound of broom bristles against the tile kitchen floor. She would check the kitchen and find nobody there, just the broom leaning against the wall. Carolyn would disappear only moments later to hear the sound again and check, and the broom would be on the other side of the kitchen. Oh. Roger noticed an uptick in the chatter amongst his daughters about the spirits they saw in the house, so he decided to take a deeper look into the past of the house. But the only things he found were what we already discussed. Big old house. Went through a few families. One really long history with one family. Nothing evil or occulty or even stranger untimely deaths. Mm -hmm. I should note that some of the razzier sources will claim that the family that lived there for eight centuries, the Ar or eight generations, the Arnold family, mm -hmm. they'll say like, oh, this person hung themselves in the attic or these kids drowned in the river on the property. There's actually no records of that that I can find. I can find tons of sources that claim it, but oh. I can find just as many sources that say, if you look at the history, none of There's that is there. there. Yep. Including people that currently or have recently owned the house and did the, their own research, so they had all that access, and they can't find anything. So, so yes, nothing, nothing weird. Well, that's, you know, good for the people who currently own the house. <laughs> so... Despite this news, or lack thereof, mm -hmm. the haunting continued, and it got worse. A twisted demonic appearance of an entity regularly made itself known to the children. They said it was the form of a woman in blackened clothing, with a foul smell, sharp jagged teeth, and her head cruelly twisted off to the side of her neck. Ew. The daughters often reported being awoken at 5.15 a.m. some mornings by the alleged spirits who smelled strongly of rotting flesh and would lift the girl's bed. Oh, my God. By 1973, the family had hit their breaking point, and they reached out to some experts. So this is two years in. Yep. Okay. Lorraine and Ed Warren. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The famous Warrens. In an interview with USA Today in 2013... Lorraine Warren told, the things that went on in the house were just so incredibly frightening, it still affects me to talk about it to this day. Now, we know Lorraine is kind of a drama queen. We've talked about that before. Yeah. So, we are taking that with a grain of salt. But, right, you know, that's what she said. I mean, it was really scary in the movies, guys. <laughs> yes. Uh, and as we've mentioned before, Ed Warren died in 2006 and never got to see The Conjuring movies. Mm-hmm. But Lorraine served as a consultant on The Conjuring film and continued to work as a paranormal investigator up until her death in 2019. Okay. Okay. She just missed COVID. During their investigation, one name kept revealing itself to Lorraine Warren because she was a medium, mm -hmm. as we've said. Bathsheba Sherman. 
is the name. Isn't that a biblical name? I'm not sure. I mean, it's not common. You don't meet many. You don't <laughs> it's meet not like many John. You don't not meet, like last week when we had three Johns. <laughs> we don't meet many Bethshebas. So Sherman was a local area woman who, despite never living on the property, had developed kind of an ominous reputation during the mid 1800s. Her baby is said to have been found dead with a sewing needle jammed into the base of its skull. The ritualistic overtone and morbidity of the infanticide had her thoroughly questioned uh, by law enforcement in the area, Mm -hmm. but she was never charged with any sort of crime. Needless to say, the stories around her lost child seem to have uh, tainted her name. Yeah. And they never did discover the true reason behind the infant's death, and she's often thrown around as the big haunting entity. Some paranormal theorists believe that Bathsheba Sherman was responsible for the activity in the house, and she was the ghost that the children kept seeing. Oh. However, there was never a formal connection at any time to Bathsheba, like, tying her to the house. Yeah. Ed and Lorraine Warren were able to secure a Catholic priest to come and formally bless the house, and Carolyn in particular. She had taken to wearing vintage turn-of-the-century dresses and using archaic language, so they were particularly concerned about her. Yep. <laughs> did she find the clothes in the house, or did she just, like, it didn't seek say. them out? Like, oh, this is beautiful. I'll it didn't. take this it, home with me. It never said. It just okay. said she took to wearing it. Okay. The Warrens believed her not to be possessed, but rather oppressed, which mm. I had never heard of. Per their explanation... Like, oppression is, like, a smaller demonic foothold that can lead to possession. The idea being that it involves a spirit emotionally wrecking a person and then coupled with the physical aspect of the haunting and disturbances, it's trying to basically push these people into full-on possession. Okay. So they're just battering at her soul. Yeah. Without actually being able to enter. Right. Sort of vibe. That's that's what the description kind of makes it sound like, Yes. But the blessing was, like, not great. Oh. Uh, <laughs> like, according to Fright Finds, it had quickly turned from a blessing into a seance oh. in which religious provocation was used to bring out whatever demonic entity lurked in the home so it could be vanquished from the physical world and sent back into the abyss of hell. That is not what we asked you to do. That is not what we were here for. No thank you. So, this seance was performed in the dining room with Carolyn present. Before long, a spiritual doorway was opened up, and whatever entity came through there was not nice. It had evil intentions. It apparently decided Carolyn was the target, and she was possessed briefly for a few minutes, speaking in an unidentified language as her eyes rolled around. Without warning, her body began to levitate inches off the ground before bending in half and being thrown an estimated 20 feet into the adjacent parlor. Oh, my God. Whatever, <laughs> what, like, when she was thrown and, like, knocked out, whatever possessed her briefly left, setting its sights on the spirits in the home. So the idea being that this evil entity then began attacking the spirits in the home. Okay. Were any of them thought to be good spirits or was it just like Well I'm, and that's so the I'm the biggest of the bads. The daughters often mentioned the spirits they'd seen and heard speak. Uh-huh. Um and apparently after this seance, the powerful entity 
subdued the spirits in the home and they wouldn't hear him speak as often. Oh, that doesn't, doesn't sound great. So after the seance, nearly a year passed without any activity inside the house. Oh, wow. But then, late one evening, the eldest daughter, Andrea, found her mother rambling in the parlor area. She said Carolyn had walked into the dining room to see a large family in 18th century clothing seated around the dining room table eating. I remember this from the movie. Their spirits bristled and ate without any odd behavior until a man seated at the table turned his gaze to Carolyn, nudged the people around him, pointing at her. Their faces and expressions looked like totally shocked, and then they faded away. So one of the most unknown aspects of this now modern haunting had been revealed to Carolyn, that their home stood trapped on top of some sort of portal. And she believes that when she entered that room she appeared to these spirits as a spirit herself. So like the families are like the, the spirit family is stuck in a loop and they can see her, but they see her as like the entity. That is one of the more interesting theories of haunting that yep. I have found is that it's not as if this is a loop or, or like a ghost of a spirit. It's just, we're seeing something because like the veil of time, like, thinned, and that's why we can see people doing things dressed in old-timey clothes. So with this new knowledge and realization, Carolyn started to try to piece her family life back together, trying to make it more about just existing in the same area, not, oh my gosh, this is terrible, this is this, this is that. Just try to piece their life back together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you might ask, why the hell are they still here? Yeah, I didn't realize they were in the house for like years and years and years. Years and years. And it came down to what it always comes down to, money. Money, money, money. Finances are what kept the parent family from moving out for nearly 10 years. Oh my God, a whole decade? A whole decade before they found the funds to move away to a new farmhouse in Georgia. Close to a year after moving, Lorraine Warren contacted Carolyn Perrin about the possibility of telling her full story in a book. So Lorraine respectfully was like, can I talk about this? Mm -hmm. And Carolyn said no and insisted that she and her family had moved past this and were starting over, but promised to discuss the issue with her husband and told Lorraine to call her back the next day. Okay. Carolyn then said that she went to go do the family's laundry after getting off the phone when suddenly the laundry room door became unhinged and fell and hit her from behind. No. She was diagnosed with uh, having a concussion and a dislocated shoulder after this incident. Wow. And Lorraine called her the next day, as she said she would, and Carolyn was like, nope, nope, nope. No, apparently I'm not supposed to talk about it, okay? Yep, she informed the Warrens that they would not be telling their story She was fearful that reminiscing about the experience on the farm would bring back the vicious paranormal activity that Mm -hmm. they had worked so hard to escape. Yeah. In 2007, it was Andrea who felt that the world itself had matured and become savvy enough to handle the stories about their paranormal experiences. Okay. So Andrea was the one, like, with some input from her mother, but Andrea was the one that gave us all the information we have now. Oh, so the Warrens did respect their wishes. Yes, so good. along with occasional input from her mother, she wrote a trilogy of books based on the experiences inside the home, which you can still buy. 
Roger and Carolyn eventually separated. Their daughters all grew up to lead successful, independent lives. Nobody died. Everybody's happy. That's good. In 1980, when they moved out of the home, uh, the Schwartz family purchased the property and sold it to Norma Sutcliffe in 1987. The Sutcliffe family owned and operated a daycare there. They have gone on record as saying they don't believe in ghosts and that the property is not haunted. So they threw that out there into the world. Okay. They owned that land until 2019 when Corey and Jen Heinzen purchased it as a private sale and launched the business to allow investigations and day tours on the property. In May of 2022, Jacqueline Nunez purchased the property and is continuing to grow that same business that the Heinzens started. According to Forbes, Nunez purchased the home for $1.525 million. Wow. The Heinzens had purchased it for, I believe it was four hundred. I didn't write it down, but I think it was like 450000 Wow. At, at first I was like, well, why would they give it up so so quickly? But if if they, I mean, they flipped that house. They did flip that house. And also it sounds like they were kind of overwhelmed with how popular it was going to be. They weren't expecting it. And they oh. weren't really up to doing what needed to be done. That makes sense. A couple sources also said something about how they got screwed over by a contractor at one point. So they probably lost some money there. Okay. So it's one of those. It's just, it sounds like the relationship between Nunez and... The Heinzens is good. Oh, that's good. So she was able to take it all over. They sold it to her with the distinct agreement that she will be respectful of everything in the property. So it all went really well. Here is a quote from Andrea Perrin. Our family lived among the dead for a decade. The farm, known to us as Old Arnold Estate, was where we all came to understand that we are not alone and there is something beyond our mortal existence. Though none of us can tell you precisely what it is or where we go after death. My parents bought the place in December of 1970 and we lived there until June of 1980. We experienced continual paranormal encounters beginning from the day we moved in until the day my family moved to Georgia. Having graduated from Burrowville High School in 1976, I left the home I loved attended Chatham College in Pittsburgh, and in 1980, my mother informed me that the sale of the farm was pending. I was heartbroken by the news. Despite the trials, it was home, and I loved it. Though we abandoned our place in the country, it never left us. In 2007, I began writing the manuscript, which became the trilogy House of Darkness, House of Light, and I relocated to Georgia to be with my family to write our story. The task proved to be quite an excursion, spawning several nightmares while we exhumed our memories of the dead. Often painful, it has been a healing process as each of us has revisited a past impacting our present, clearly mapping the future of a family. Many have spoken or written about fragments of our story. Now is the time to tell the whole truth about what happened in the farmhouse, alive with death. We spent a very illuminating decade living amongst the spirits. It's a tale worth telling because it's true. As it turns out, you can go home again. Thanks to Corey and Jennifer Heinzen and now Jacqueline Nunez, we have been afforded access to a place that will always be home in my heart. Unquote. Interesting. That's such an I, interesting attitude. Right? That's what I that's why I left the whole thing in there because yeah. in my brain, if I lived for a decade in a house that was haunted as fuck, 
And like scary haunted. Like yeah, frightening. There Rotted are seven soldiers buried in the walls. Yeah. Like, what rotting the fuck? flesh lifting beds, scary women with sharp teeth. Yeah. But apparently she loved it and she was sad to see it go. Okay. I mean, you know, to eat to each their own. I wanted to keep it in there because I thought it was worth noting that the family didn't instinctively like run out of there screaming. You know right. what I mean? Like it was their house for a decade. I yeah. Ghosts and all. Wow. So for the few years that they owned the home, the Heinzens transformed the house into a thriving paranormal investigation space for tours and overnight stays. The couple even invited douche baggins to stay. Oh good. Uh Baggins told the Las Vegas Review Journal, I felt like something was drawing the life out of me. And then he said he was sick for weeks after filming there. Oh, I just cannot even roll my eyes aggressively (laughs) enough. According to an article in the Boston Globe, the Heinzens took things slow after buying the house. They didn't just jump right in letting people come to investigate. So they believed from the moment they bought the house. Oh, okay. They actually started by sleeping in the small wing of the house just for the first four months. Oh, just to get a feel of it? Yeah, they would stay in the wing and close the door to the main section of the house. Okay. Quote, we gave the spirits that much space. We didn't know what to expect. We were just testing the waters and we didn't want to overstep boundaries. Unquote. How very respectful. And when they finally did leave the door open between the main house and the wing one night, they were awakened. By a shadow figure, which is exactly what I want to wake up to. I know you <laughs> love those. <sighs> D- did it also touch them? Because, I mean, it'd be a twofer then. No, 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 no touching. <laughs> just, uh, Car- uh, Corey said, it was just peeking around the door like this, all black, just looking at us. I remember looking at it and Jennifer was like, what the hell is that? And I said, that's a shadow figure. And it moved real fast. She said, awesome, and we high-fived each other. (laughs) (laughs) Jennifer pointed out, it wasn't scary. It wasn't an evil presence. We were just excited. I would not be excited to see a shadow figure peeking out at me. For as much as I claim to want to be haunted. Not by that. Not by a shadow figure while I'm in bed. Oh, and the fact that it moved real fast (laughs) is very upsetting. So the Heinzens debunked what they could, and then some things they just couldn't explain. Black mists in the house, shadow figures inside and outside, footsteps and voices, books fall off shelves, doors unlatch and open. These were all things they could not find explanations for. Okay. And the Heinzens always told guests to be respectful of the spirits for their own good. Yeah. Jennifer said, I feel like the spirits respond to their energy and I think everything's okay as long as you treat this as your own house and these are your people. So they just went into it with a really stoked, excited attitude and asked people to do the same thing. That's good, you know? Their son, now 18, saw a black mist over him in one of the bedrooms and left the next day. They said he won't sleep in the house again. Well, they don't own it anymore. True, true. Uh, Their daughter, Madison, now works on the property. Like, even though they sold it, Uh she still works there. Uh, she sells merchandise. She is a social media influencer and has some 1.3 million followers on TikTok where she posts about working there. Do you, do you follow her? I do. 
Have you watched? Have you seen her before? I don't think so. Oh, I forgot to put the handle down. I'm trying to think if I can remember. You'll find it if you search the Conjuring House. She's like one of the first things to pop up. Okay. Okay. Um, despite its overall spooky atmosphere, Madison keeps running the house's operations and sleeps there one week every month. Out of one of her viral clips posted in late July shows a day in the life working there. Just basic, mopping the floors, checking the security cameras, taking inventory of the merchandise. But there's another TikTok where Madison describes seeing a ghost there as well. She said, I was eating dinner by myself and I saw someone run by me. I caught it out of the left corner of my eye and I saw there was a veil and a skirt and it just vanished into thin air. This had all happened in a span of three seconds, and I just sat there in complete disbelief, not knowing what to do. I think I would react the same. I'd just be like, uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. That's a thing. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Megan Murphy of WOKQ in New Hampshire posted an article in September 1st of this year discussing her tour of the home. Okay. She said, last year, yours truly went with a friend to the real Conjuring House in Rhode Island. We experienced several strange things during our two-hour extended day tour of the home. Some of these occurrences would potentially be debunked. Others, not so much. We'll let you be the judge. So she goes on to describe how they heard disembodied noises. As their tour guide, Marie, began the tour, they heard what sounded like someone moving around in one of the other rooms. They specifically pointed out that there was more than just house settling noises. Mm -hmm. It sounded like footsteps. Mm -hmm. They asked Marie if there were other staff in the building, and she said no. There was only one person, her, there with the group. Mm -hmm. And Murphy and the rest of the group did acknowledge that they never saw any other staffers while they were on this tour. They also experienced strange moving objects. While in the dining area, they saw bundles of dried herbs dangling from the ceiling. All of them were still except for one, which was mysteriously swinging on its own. And they noted that there was no breeze to explain it. Later on, two of them went into one of the children's bedrooms and saw a blue beaded necklace hanging from a doorknob, also swinging in a similar manner. They also experienced a strange light in the basement. They saw what appeared to be a small white ball of light appear on a metal chair. Murphy did acknowledge this could have been from a phone reflection. You know, Mm. when you point some phones, you get those weird, like, dot lights that come out. But typically, those move with, the you know, with your movement of the phone. Yeah. And a friend pointed out that they tend to move quickly and sporadically, whereas this light anomaly traveled slowly and lingered for several seconds. Even the guide Marie seemed surprised. You know, I'm just glad that it was a light in the basement and not something scary and dark. Nothing like a shadow figure. (laughs) Right. That peeks around the radiator. You're just like, (laughs) well, and I think it's just like got a creepy vibe in the basement too, because previous owners and they don't know who had like decided to hang up snake skins in the basement, like shed, like snake shed, and everybody has just kept them there. Why they just keep snake shed skins hanging around? So that adds, I'm sure, a whole other vibe. Even if it's not paranormal, it's just. It's weird. Yeah, I don't like it. (laughs) I could go into a modern house and see a bunch of snake skins hanging from the walls, and I'd be like, well, I don't want to be here. This (laughs) seems bad. (laughs) This is bad. Julie Jordan of People Magazine visited the home with three of her friends. They call themselves ghost moms. Oh, you know what? 
They routinely investigate reportedly haunted locations together and post about it on social media. They started out their investigation at 11 p.m. in the library, turned off all the lights, and Jordan said that within minutes, a nearby motion detector was triggered repeatedly for no apparent reason. There were also loud creaks in the living room as if someone was walking by. Mm. And if you look up ghost moms on Instagram, you can find a video of this. Okay. They went upstairs to check out one of the bedrooms, and again, a motion detector went off with no explanation. They saw a ball of light in a corner where there was no obvious source. And I thought this was pretty funny. They go, shadows seem to be closing in on us, and our terror prompted us all to pile in bed. What can I say? There's something about four grown women snuggling together that can clearly make things feel a lot less scary. <laughs> I was like, you know what? Yeah, if I was in a cuddle puddle with my friends, I'd probably be way less scared. <laughs> I mean, I don't really want to get that close to that many people, but I would be less scared in that scenario. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. I, I think a lot of things would be going through my brain. Probably this seems uncomfortable. This bed is not built for four grown women. <laughs> Uh, but terror wouldn't be one of them. <laughs> Just cuddle puddle. Cuddle puddle. When in doubt, cuddle puddle. Exactly. When they were downstairs in the basement, they were standing in a room next to an old well, and a table somehow shifted into one of Jordan's friend's legs, even though nobody was next to it to move the table. Okay. They returned to the library in the early morning hours and had one last strange experience. Jordan said, I had taken some books off one of the shelves, and right after I replaced them, one of them fell off and hit the floor hard. We can't say for sure what caused it, but I'm obsessive enough to know that I pushed them all to the back wall and even aligned them to the top because I didn't want them to look disturbed. Mm. She, was, she was snooping. And she, she was had snooping. To put it all back. Yep. And then a book fell out. They were like, don't snoop in my shit. Not I the- see you. I see you. <laughs> and Alex Aronson wrote an article for Huffington Post about his experience in the house in October of 2022. He said, Immediately upon entering the home, I felt like I was in a space where time stood still. The house was built in several stages, with the oldest part dating back to the 1730s. Exposed wood beams line the ceilings, and gaps in the floorboards make the second floor visible from below. Even the decor is creepy. The home is filled with Victorian decorations that conjure up an eerie aesthetic. Not conjure. the most disturbing bit of bric-a-brac is a replica of the famed annabelle ragdoll that lies in a glass case where the coffee table should be so they like really ramped it up and they put an annabelle fake in there well you know the warrens the warrens just gonna connect it all together yep while showing us around the property Corey withheld stories of his own supernatural experiences in the house as he didn't want to shape our expectations in any way He did, however, divulge one spine-chilling detail that came across more like a warning about a spot in the basement where a few people, including himself, claimed they were touched by an unknown entity. Was it by that well? They didn't point that out, so I guess I don't know. Hmm. Maybe. And if that didn't make the basement creepy enough, the dogs, who up until that point had been glued to our side, because Corey would bring his dogs with them. That is smart. I would definitely bring a dog with me to a haunted house. The dogs refused to go into that area of the house. They remained frozen at the top of the basement stairs as if there was an invisible brick wall in front of them. Corey said they had never gone down there. Uh, 
He then said goodnight and made his way to the makeshift bachelor studio in the adjacent barn on the property, giving us the private reign of the house for the next 14 hours. So he's like, peace, now's it's your time. I'm taking my dogs and leaving. (laughs) Which it sounds like that was pretty standard for them. They'd give them, like, on the overnight stays, Mm -hmm. they'd give you the full tour, show you where everything is, and then they dip and stay in another area on the property. So they're available but not in your space. Uh, That would be ideal if you're going to... I think that's a really smart way to do it. Yeah. So to start off the investigation, Aronson turned off all the lights in the house, which it sounds like that's... All the articles I read started with them generally saying they shut off all the lights, so they must have been advised to do that during the tour to maybe get the best possible, you know, interaction with spirits. Maybe, yeah. So... He heads into the upstairs bedroom in an attempt to communicate with whatever spirits might be there via dousing rods. He said that he sat down and asked if there were any spirits with him, and without hesitation, both rods, which were originally pointed directly right in front of him, Mm -hmm. simultaneously spun and pointed towards a dark, small, windowless attic space. So, naturally, he headed over and kneeled in the tiny attic space, and began asking a series of yes or no questions via the dousing rods. Whoever he was talking to identified themselves as the spirit of a little boy. Quote, From what I could gather, the young entity seemed most intrigued by what we were doing, and I genuinely didn't feel like I was in harm's way. However, as soon as I was able to identify who I was communicating with, our connection was lost and the dousing rods stopped responding. Okay. So with that conversation over, Aronson decided to head down to the basement. And he did notice as he was guiding himself down there with his phone as a flashlight that his Wi-Fi signal was cutting in and out and his battery was draining rapidly. We've encountered that in a few different stories. Mm -hmm. Electronics draining Mm -hmm. battery. He said he was overwhelmed with the feeling that there was something there with him. He stood still and felt an undeniable tug on the back of his shirt, like something was trying to get his attention. Was it the little boy? He turned around, but there was nothing there. So it could be, but we don't know. Mm. So at this point, he freaked out. Mm-hmm. He starts screaming for his boyfriend who was there with him and ran back upstairs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which I'm sure felt great, by the way, because you know that feeling when you're leaving a dark basement? And even though you know nothing is down there, oh, you, you still run really fast. You run really fast up the stairs so nothing grabs your feet. Yeah. Oh, and those stairs, they probably were open. So something could grab your feet. Now imagine that Ah. feeling. Imagine that feeling, except a ghost had literally just tugged on the back of your shirt like 14 seconds ago. Run real fast. (laughs) Just boom, 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 boom. I would. Fastest. Oh, God. The fastest little runner. That would be me. That's what they'd call me. It doesn't matter if I'm in a dark basement. I could could be in the most comfortable house. I'm sure nothing's haunted there. Mm -hmm. If I have to shut the lights and head off st- head upstairs, I will be running. Yeah, this is why I like stairways like at my house because there's a light on the top and the bottom. <laughs> you can turn off the light upstairs or downstairs. So he gets upstairs, latches the door shut, and immediately tells his boyfriend, I never want to go down there again. And at this point, they're both like, nope, 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 nope. And decide it's time for bed, because that's the fastest way to make this night go. I thought you were going to say, nope, 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 we're going back down there. And I was like, don't do it, boyfriend. No, no, they they decided it was time for bed. And they were staying in the bedroom upstairs, in the oldest part of the house. 
the one that the daughter Cindy used to sleep in. Oh, isn't she the one that like went into weird trances and shit? No, this was the one who the spirits told her that there were bodies oh. buried in the walls. Seven dead soldiers buried in the walls. So that's fun. Yeah, yeah, love love that for them. So Aronson was lying on the right side of the bed, looking directly at an antique rocking chair, which he continued to monitor for even the slightest movement. Yeah, despite what he like all that he wanted to do, he couldn't fall asleep. So here's the quote from his article. My exhaustion was starting to wear on me, but the thrill of being in the actual conjuring house and everything I had already experienced kept me awake. The house was eerily silent, but it was so hot that I couldn't sleep under the blankets anymore. I kicked the comforter off my legs, leaving my bare feet exposed. And as soon as I finally felt settled, I heard it. A whisper from the hallway. No. I thought you were going to say the chair going. (laughs) A whisper from the hallway. I couldn't believe it. My entire body stiffened as I tried to process what was happening. Several moments passed and I began to hear. More whispers, this time coming from the corner of our room. No. Right behind the rocking chair. Oh, my God. I knew the rocking chair was bad. There always are. (laughs) Whatever had been in the hallway was now in the bedroom with us. I was frozen with fear. I couldn't quite make out specific words, but it sounded like a quiet conversation between at least two people, and it was distinct enough for me to know something strange was taking place. Suddenly... I felt something lightly double tap the top of my left foot. That's why you never take off the blankets. Those are protective barriers. This was followed by an audible child's laugh coming Ah. from the closet. The adrenaline rushed through my veins as I once again developed full body chills and quickly pulled both of my feet under the covers. I was certain that I had just been touched by something. The whispering stopped. The house fell silent. I whipped out my phone and began recording in case the sound started up again. My eyes darted from the floor to the ceiling as I surveyed every inch of the room, but I constantly felt my gaze being pulled back to the rocking chair in the corner. The sound of a child's scream shattered the silence. It was more of a giddy, playful shout, but it was a scream nonetheless. I sensed that it was now coming from the very attic space where I believed that I contacted the spirit of the little boy. My heart was beating out of my chest, and I thought about waking my boyfriend, who was somehow sleeping through all of this. But I was also determined to make it through the night, especially because I didn't feel like there was anything malevolent with us. The activity ceased, and I began to wonder if what I just experienced had really happened, or if this was just my overactive imagination playing tricks on me. After what felt like hours, I finally managed to fall asleep. When I woke up the next morning, I forgot where I was until I caught a glimpse of the burial site markers out the window and I realized we had survived a night in the conjuring house. I told my boyfriend everything that I experienced during the night and he was upset but equally relieved that he slept through the whole supposed paranormal activity. Unquote. That is bananas and I'm weirdly jealous. Right? Mostly because I could be in a regular house Nothing wrong. And I never sleep in new places. (laughs) They both fell asleep in a scary-ass haunted house. Right. Even after hearing whispers and And being touched by a ghost. And and creepy, creepy little children laughter and squeals. That is so scary. That's even worse than the lady with the sharp teeth that's smelly. (laughs) All right. So 
If you dare tour the home for yourself, the website boasts that The Conjuring House offers authentic opportunities for our guests to learn and experience paranormal phenomena. We offer a variety of events to facilitate such chances for paranormal experiences. You can do anything from a one-hour guided tour during the day for guests ages 13 and above, or you could actually do, there's a lower price for children, 7 to 12. Children younger than 7 are not permitted. Yeah, fair. All the way up to private overnight bookings where guests receive a tour in the evening and then are left on their own devices for the night. The cost is 960 per night, Sunday through Thursday for groups up to six, or 1,280 per night, Fridays and Saturdays for groups up to eight. Okay, I see why they spent so much money on the house because they've probably already made it all back. <laughs> yep. So that is the story of, I forget what the first word, I keep the calling it the Conjuring Arnold's House, but plan. the farm on Round Top Road a.k.a. The Conjuring House in Rhode Island. Kayla. That was bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. Like, okay, how many ghosts do they think live there? So, that's... Reside there. That's the difficult part. It does seem to be consistent that people talk about a little boy. Um, Most sites still claim that... Beth- I keep wanting to say Bethesda, but that's not Bethesda because Bethesda is Bathsheba? a... Bathsheba? Bathsheba. Bathsheba. Yeah, Bathsheba. Bethesda is like a gaming company. Bathsheba. It's a, isn't it also a location? Oh, it might be. Uh, but Bathsheba constantly gets claimed as living there, like especially if you look at the short articles that are just trying to talk up the place. Yeah. But there's no actual, like we said, there's no actual connection other than there was a creepy old woman... That haunted the Perrin children, and this is one creepy old woman that lived in the area in the 1800s. That's really the only connection they have. So it seems like, in my opinion, the ghosts, because everybody says they're, like, not malicious, mm-hmm. or they don't feel malevolent. They just whisper a scary thing about soldiers buried in the walls. <laughs> but it seems like maybe, like any house that is that old... Uh-huh. It just has spirits residing of people who lived there at one point. Ah, uh, yeah. It just seems a little all over the place, man. But all over the place, but consistent in what reports people are seeing. Like the strange light, the noises, the objects moving, books falling off the counters, doors latching, unlatching. Nothing overtly like scary, scary, just consistent in what people have experienced okay. staying there. What about the old lady with the sharp teeth that smells like rotting flesh? Nobody since like doing investigations has seen her. Well, that's good. Hopefully she's <laughs> she's moved on. And I mean, those did come from, you know, teenage girls. So who knows how much was embellished? Just throwing that out there. Right. right. Not saying they didn't experience something, but maybe it's like, oh, the fish was this big. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Classic, classic (laughs) Midwest exaggeration. So It was this big. big. So (laughs) on a skeptic scale of para to normal, para being five, normal being one, what are you going to give the Conjuring home? Honestly, I I feel like I should give it a five, but I'm weirdly going to give it a four. I could see that. It's because the Warrens are attached to it, isn't it? Uh... 
You know, a little bit, except for knowing that it was the family, the parents who actually wrote the the information about it, not the Warrens. Yeah. I just, it seems like they, okay. I think that it's probably haunted, but I do have some reservations on by what. Okay, I could see that. So my four is not because I don't think it's haunted. Which is why it should be a five. But I'm going with four because people are obviously exaggerating what it is. And they get docked a point for that. All right. For lying. You know what? I see your I see your logic and I'm going to match you. I'll also do a four. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Hold on. I need to adjust my legs. All right. So before I get into my story, Kara did give us an answer about the ye old thing. Oh, okay, 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 okay. So I got this a little earlier today. So I'm glad. So I'm glad that we are recording on a Tuesday because otherwise we would not have this gem from our favorite scholar. Exactly. Ye old. Tell me where ye, ye old comes from. All right. So she said, Old English used to have some extra letters that we've now dropped. Okay. I knew that. Uh, one such letter is called thorn, which looks like, it looks like a like a little B and a little P put together. Okay, I've seen that before. Yep, 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 yep. yep. And it represents the th sound. <laughs> so, so like the th sound. So, like when we make jokes about like old timey Renaissance speak, and we go ye old varlity thou ith. You gotta you gotta let me finish her explanation. But like I'm saying, like that the the th would be this this P thingy, no. PB thingy. Oh, never mind. No. All right. Uh, so it it makes that sound <laughs> at the start of words like the. So ye old was actually like thorn old, which means the old. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Uh, it's basically a medieval marketing stunt. Places would call themselves <laughs> the old such and such to sound more established. Over time, as the thorn letter dropped away, Sometimes it would be rendered as a Y, which is why we now have E old. Because the because th- the thorn letter isn't used anymore. Okay. So we just put a, a Y instead of a Th. <laughs> so it's like an ancient form of viral marketing. Yeah. Where they're like, hey, look at how popular we are. We are so popular. We are so well established. We have been here forever. We are the old Ye old. Such and such and such, which became ye old. old. We are the old ye old tavern. Exactly. Exactly. Which is why we always needed Kara in our lives. Because <laughs> I just got that as a Facebook message and I'm like, oh, you beautiful human. So many. Thank you. <laughs> so many things are that we talked about and then we'll never Google. I know. To try to find out for ourselves are just answered by Kara and it makes our life so much better she actually after she sent this she's like do you have any other questions for me and I was like that was a week ago I don't remember <laughs> and then she finished the episode she says nope that was the only one I've answered it and I'm like I love you you're like the greatest human oh geez again if you guys don't listen to prophecy girls what are you even doing obviously you are being not great or you just don't have any interest in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which, you know. One of those. You know. One of those. What are you even doing? 
was trying to come up with something witty, and I just repeated what you said. <laughs> All right. Well, now on to my story, which uh, in classic us, without even knowing it, I did a really light one. Love it. We went dark. We're going light. Light, dark. I mean, it's sad, but it's not like old lady that smells like rotting flesh and has pointy teeth. Sad. Kind of sad. <laughs> Good to know. Um, so tonight I'm going to tell you about the historic Bermuda Inn in New York. Okay. Maybe ye old historic Bermuda Inn in New York. Uh, more specifically, it's on Staten Island. Okay. I never heard of this place. Yeah. Which hilariously in several of my sources, people talked about it, uh, like Staten Island, often either being the forgotten part of New York or it was j- it's just the butt of all the jokes. <laughs> yeah, I've... I feel like I've watched enough TV shows about New York to know that Staten Island or New Jersey are always the butt of the joke. They always are. Yep. Poor Staten Island. Me personally, I have no beef with Staten Island. I I couldn't even tell you where exactly it is. I ain't got beef because I don't eat no meat. Tell your boyfriend if he says he's got beef that I'm a vegetarian and I ain't fucking scared of him. Exactly. Uh, and neither did the Merceros, okay. Martha and her husband, David. They had no beef with Staten Island. And then this is one of those other wacky misinformation locations. Okay. Mm-hmm. Gotta love them. Mm-hmm. Uh, although the stories all seem to be about like the same in what happened with Martha and her husband, some sources called him David. Oh. Others called him Peter. And yet another called him William. But I Googled, I find a grave, and I ancestry.com. It's 100% David. So his name is David. Okay. Okay. I don't know where Peter came from or William, but it's David. They were like, let's just pick some basic white dude names and we'll throw them in there. We'll just throw them in there. We'll just make it our own. Basic white dude. All right. So Martha and David Mercero. David was a bit of a a dabbler in local politics in the 1800s. He served as a member of the New York State Assembly and as a common pleas court judge throughout his late 30s and early 40s. And although he had been married before, I have no idea what happened to that wife. She went away. Just gone. Yeah. Uh, It was around this time that he met his second wife, Martha. And these two crazy kids decided that what they really wanted was to build a beautiful summer house out on Staten Island. It's good to have dreams. Which they did. Perfect. Mm-hmm. I get, I get a little flowery with my, with my words. I don't know what was up with me last night, but I was feeling very dramatic. So <laughs> bear with me. Uh, the house, which is now known as the historic Bermuda Inn, uh, but to Martha and David, it was simply known as Home. It was completed in 1832, and the couple enjoyed two happiness-filled decades in the house. Well, that's sweet. That's a nice long time together in that house. Until. Oh. uh, Tensions began to rise in the U.S. as rumblings of a civil war started. That's the rumbling noise. Oh, yeah. It's it's very similar to the, there are seven dead soldiers (laughs) buried in the walls. And while David could not imagine his life without his dear Martha, he felt that it was his duty to be on the front line. Yankee? I believe so. Okay. 
I believe so. Um, I He's don't, in the right area. To yeah, be and I one of the sources, but the one that called him Peter, I was like, he was a man known for justice and believed that everyone should be treated equally. But then again, they called him Peter. So I'm like, I don't know if I should just say that. Do I trust you? Do I trust you? Or do I just go with the information that seems to be the same across all sources? All right. So yeah, he felt it was his duty to be on the front line. Allegedly, he loved equality for all. But before he left, Martha promised him that she would wait for him every day at the window until he returned. And David promised that he would return to her. Bold move to make a claim like that when going to war. war yeah yeah bro you didn't even have very good medicine back then um <laughs> and you know <laughs> what like, you know you're right you're, you're right <laughs> it was just the way yeah bro you get a fucking paper cut and suddenly you got gangrene and then it spreads throughout your whole body and now you're dead <laughs> shippy cray <laughs> Anyway, so Martha promised to wait for him, and so she did. Every day, Martha sat at the window waiting for her husband to come home. At first, it wasn't like the worst thing, because she would receive frequent letters from David about his time at war, Mm -hmm. and she would write back about all the hot gossip that was happening on Staten Island with their friends and neighbors. And they carried on this wait for months. All the while, Martha, waiting for the day that her husband would walk through that door and it wasn't just the postman oh my goodness you did get really like dramatic i love it i've been sleepy for days (laughs) apparently it brings out my leo uh and then one day the letters just stopped martha was like yo i'm lady i'm lady whistle downing for you here and you're not even responding not even responding Night after night, Martha waited by the window, keeping a candle lit so that her David could find his way home. And then finally word came. Martha's husband had been killed in battle. Oh, poor Martha. I know. Upon hearing the news, Martha retreated to her room. And according to legend, she was so devastated by her loss that she herself died shortly after of a broken heart. There's tons of stories of that. Yeah. You know, people who are really, really in love, like dying not long after their partners pass. You know, they even mentioned it in the house. It's called broken heart syndrome. Oh, wow. <laughs> I can't figure out why they died, but something happened. They died shortly after a really substantial loss. Today, uh, her once happiness-filled mansion is a all-in-one historic event center <laughs> with a restaurant and a bed and breakfast. Quote, located in Staten Island, escape to the world of timeless elegance where people dine, people dance, and people love. <laughs> their website. So that's not your, like, like overly dramatic language that's ripped from their website? Quote, yeah. All quote, right. quote, All quote right. Kayla. Love. People dine, people dance, people love. Over the years, additional rooms and amenities have been added to the building, but, you know, some things never change. The room that Martha once retreated to to find solace is now known as the Somerset Room, a beautiful dining area. And according to legend, remains the place where Martha awaits her long-lost husband's return. Many a guest and staff alike have claimed uh, to have seen Martha's silhouette in the window, waiting. 
<laughs> Sorry. I did a really dramatic arm sweep. I know. I was <laughs> waiting. <laughs> um, so see your silhouette in the window waiting as well as the figure of a woman roaming the original part of the inn. Okay. So she's not just stuck in the window. No. She can move about. Good, because that she's would get... She's an independent lady now. That would get boring. Oh, my God. It really would. <laughs> Martha, Ghost Martha needs some hobbies. We need to get her some needlepoint. Like, maybe... Um, maybe we get her a tablet. She can just get up on the social medias. Oh, my God. She could spend an eternity on TikTok. There you go. She could look up the lady from the conjuring house. <laughs> Bro, <laughs> we have an entire side plot going on now. All right. Well, we love to create our own relationships between things that do not exist. Like the, the little girl little, and the, the little, pirate. Yep, yep. <laughs> no one responded to that, by the way. You guys were supposed to comment who you wanted to see as, as bestie ghosts. Uh, anyway, so Martha's hanging out there and guests have reported a cold wind seemingly out of nowhere and lights that shatter on their own. Okay. I know. Staff have also reported mysterious activities such as unexplained sounds and locked doors opening themselves. Uh, and even one bizarre instance that might ignite your curiosity. Ooh, we love a pun. For well over 100 years, an oil painting of Martha standing in front of the building's fireplaces hung in the home. During the expansion of the mansion to convert it into an inn, not only did the construction workers hear strange noises coming from the original building, but one evening, the oil painting mysteriously caught fire. Oh, well, that's terrifying. I mean, you should have seen it coming, though, because I said ignite. Yeah, I know, but it's still terrifying. Oh, like, yeah. I thought maybe, like, oh, they saw a flickering candle that wasn't actually there in the window. Oh, no, not it, like it just an- straight up caught fire. Okay. No one was in that part of the inn at the time, but luckily a construction worker walking past noticed the fire (laughs) and put it out. Because of this, the portrait was not destroyed, and you can now see it hanging up in the uh, first floor hallway with scorch marks and all. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely looks like it got too close to a flame, but allegedly there was no flame other than the one that was- Like just appeared out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the painting. Yeah. So it is believed that the strange noises, as well as the burning of her own portrait, was Martha expressing her dislike for the changes being made to her home. Legit. She's like, hey, this was our dream home. Yeah. I don't want you to fuck with it. Yeah. Let it be. When David Peter William comes back, it's got to be just like it was. Meanwhile, the rest of the world is like, yo, Martha, you got to get with the times, honey. Let's move. You got a tablet. We'll get you on TikTok. (laughs) Uh, women staying in the inn will often report their jewelry, such as their necklaces or earrings, falling off on their own as if someone has unclasped them. Okay. While others claim to experience objects in the inn's offices, also just moving on their own. I, I believe like, oh, I set my tablet after I was done on TikTok here, and then I left, and then I came back, and it was over there. Okay. Because Martha did find TikTok, as she should. According to whatwhenhow.com, there was a group of folks who stayed at the inn with the hopes of catching some ghostly activity themselves. Quote, we experienced many strange events. Cameras in Martha's room would often not work. 
Upon leaving Martha's room and entering the hallway, the cameras would work fine, unquote. Now that's your standard haunted haunted activity if I ever heard it. I'm saying. Uh, They also claim to have experienced cold spots in the room, uh, specifically near a chair where they also had tracked high EMF readings. Okay. Maybe the chair was by the window. I don't know. During their investigation, they said that they took a bunch of photos all throughout the inn, but only caught one with what they classified as a spirit orb. To which they said, that makes sense, because only Martha's ghost is said to haunt the inn. It was almost as if Martha was following us as we inspected her home. That's legit. Uh, Sort of. Like, did they... they did they t- find it in one single photo or did they find an orb in a bunch of photos? I took that as they found it in one photo. Uh-huh. And they're saying it makes sense because there's not like this isn't a haunted place that they're saying there's a bunch of ghosts. They're saying right. there's one ghost. So what would make sense that they wouldn't be able to capture a bunch of orbs? Oh, well yeah, that, that that's that kind of how I sense. took that. Yeah, okay. In addition to the EMF meter, they also brought along a recorder to capture EVPs, which they allegedly caught uh, during this session. They allegedly caught the sound of a closet door opening and slamming shut on its own. No one, no one was in the room. As well as a woman whispering, there are seven dead souls. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no fucking way. <laughs> All right. Uh, as well as a woman whispering, listen. Okay. Which just reminds me, I don't play Legend of Zelda, but I know that the little fairy just goes, listen, yeah, listen. The little, the little fairy is fucking annoying. Listen. I know everybody loves, no, no, I don't like it. I get really annoyed. <laughs> I didn't even know it was a thing until recently because Steve was playing it. And I was like, why does your TV keep going, listen, <laughs> listen. <laughs> Uh, In addition to their own experiences, the group also spoke with staff who told them about an odd nightly occurrence. Allegedly, in the hallway on the first floor of the original mansion, one light on the chandelier will not turn off. The switch can be flipped, the power itself can be turned off, and still the light will continue to shine all night long. According to witnesses, many have inspected the chandelier and no one can find the cause. However, one might suspect that it's just Martha keeping the light burning until her long-lost love returns home. And that is the story of Martha Mercero. Why could I say it before and not now? Martha Mercero and the historic Bermuda Inn in Staten Island, baby. Every light in the house is on the back. Porch bright as the back crack of dawn. Front yard looks like runway light. Kind of like noon in the dead of night. What is that? Trace Atkins. Oh. I've I've had it in my head since you talked about how she was going to leave a candle burning. Oh. And it's just been in there constantly. Okay. I was like, I don't know what that is. It's a song about uh, uh, a man who is leaving like... A man's wife is leaving him, and he's like, I'll leave a light on for you. And she's like, I appreciate that gesture. I'm and not then, coming back. <laughs> and then she like she leaves, and then he sings about how every light in the house is on, and the music video is just like an, an obnoxious 
Like, you don't want to know what that electricity bill looks like. (laughs) But, all right, on a skeptic scale, I am going to give it... I'm going to give it a four. Okay, okay. Consistency. I don't know that I fully buy into the oil painting setting itself on fire. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But... The rest of it seems, I mean, I, it's a straightforward, one ghost, one location, tragic story that makes sense for there to be a haunting. Yep. And I just really hope that uh, ghost David shows up for ghost Martha one day. I want that to happen. Yeah. I'm shipping that. Yeah, me too. Me too. Legit. Yeah. I'm going to pretend, because I love to make up a, a different backstory. <laughs> I don't know how much activity has happened lately. I couldn't find any, like, up-to-date sources. So I'm going to pretend that. You heard that, too? Yeah. What was that? (laughs) One hour, 23 minutes. It'll probably be right around 45 seconds or something. Uh, You let me know what that (laughs) is. Did that sound like a whisper? I couldn't tell. It either sounded like a whisper or like. But neither of us had our hands up. No, no, we were not moving. Okay, we'll see if it shows up on the recording. But that was bizarre. That was like. Alice, you there? That was creepy. Yeah, uh, if it doesn't show up on the recording. There was, I was talking and there was like an under, undercurrent of noise. Like, I don't even know. I It kind of sounded like some sort of shuffling, but yeah, maybe a whisper because I was talking, so I couldn't really hear it. And I wasn't making any noise You're, at all. Like I'm you looking were right at you. At <laughs> that was weird. It was something going, there are seven dead <laughs> <laughs> Alice is getting in on the joke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. Okay, well, speaking of creepy things, yeah. Uh, next week is the beginning of Urban Legends October. Ow, ow. So we're going to start off with our very favorite thing to do, which is bring Adam on. Adam! Adam! So we're going to have Adam here next week, and we're going to tell him a spooky story about an urban legend, and uh, and then we'll get right into it for the spooky season. Yeah, we will. If you have a story you'd like to share that maybe we could read to Adam or just read out loud to all of you, uh-huh. uh, paranormal experience, UFO encounter, Weird things whispering in your ear, you know, anything <laughs> like that. so weird. You can do so by emailing us directly, leftofskeptic at gmail.com. You can also visit our website, www.leftofskeptic.com, and click the listener stories tab at the top of the page, or you can find it by clicking the link tree in our bio. You can choose to remain anonymous or include your name, whatever you prefer. We just ask that you please include your pronouns. You can also follow us on social media. We are on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at Left of Skeptic and Facebook at Left of Skeptic Podcast. Well, we want to thank you all for joining us this spooky Wednesday. We love you and appreciate you. It's true. We do. Happy spooky Wednesday. Happy spooky Wednesday. Okay. Bye. I just hit my glasses on the microphone that time. Left of Skeptic podcast is written and hosted by Kayla Moria and Brittany Lind. This week's episode is edited by me, 
Brittany Lind. The Left of Skeptic Music is by Dave Melling and Emily Havoc, and our artwork is by Al LeBlanc. Okay, bye! Okay, that was Bananas. What yeah, I like was that. that? I don't like that at all. I've never heard it in real time, Kayla. I put it in the, I said it out loud so that you could look for it when it comes up. Also, Bathsheba is the wife of Uriah the Hittite in the Hebrew Bible. Oh, okay. Hashtag fun fact. Hashtag fun fact. <laughs>